0: think there is still that very very important message of okay let's take a look at your day and see where you can fit in at minimum to start like 15 minutes a day that is solely for you and that could be 15 minutes of stealing staring at a wall
1: Welcome back to another episode of Never Wear Boring Socks. I'm Anna Barnard. And I'm Maria Ramsey. And today we have a very exciting
2: guest on for episode 60. We're talking to Chris Marai. And we talked, we recorded this interview a little while ago. We talked about wellness and wholeness and self-care and her perspective on all of those things. And it was a really, really fascinating and fun conversation that we got to have so i'm excited for all you creative souls to listen to it
1: yeah so we hope you enjoy um and listen through so you can get uh information on chris too if you want to get in touch with her at the end
2: definitely she's definitely a person worth following and getting in touch with yes
1: enjoy (laughs) Do you want to tell me what socks you're wearing today? I would love to tell you what socks I'm wearing. Um, I'm wearing a pair of socks that I got in Edinburgh this past year when I was traveling. They are black and they've got some nice little flowers on them. Um, And I partly chose these socks because I'm still hoping for more summery weather with the flowers. But they also match my outfit and you really can't put a price on that. So, sounds yeah. good. Yeah. Also, what socks uh, are you wearing uh, today, Maria?
2: Also, those are travel socks because they're from Edinburgh. That's fun. Mm-hmm. I'm yes. wearing socks that are not showing. Actually, there's one of those no-show socks that never stay up properly <laughs> because I am wearing cute shoes that needed no-show socks. So that's my sock story. They're black and they have little white polka dots. Very and nice. we have a third person with us today, which is very exciting. So, Chris, would you like to tell us what socks you're
0: wearing today? I would love to tell you what socks I'm wearing today. Um, unfortunately, despite the title of your show, I always have really boring socks because I buy them in bulk on Amazon. So I have black like ankle socks on today because I am going to the gym and they absorb sweat really well. That's really sad. But yes, that's the answer. <laughs> that's a good reason, though. And so, one of
2: the things that we've talked about is uh, non boring socks not having to be exciting looking necessarily, but they could have a good story behind them. Like they're supporting you as you're going to the gym later, which is cool. Yeah. So, Chris, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what
0: you do? Sure, thanks for asking. So, my name is Chris, like they've said, and I am the wellness director at Smith College, which is in Northampton, Mass. And there's a lot of things about me that I could talk about <laughs> um, I'm really passionate about like intersectional wellness, and I write a blog called Live, Laugh, Live La- Boss, and i also have a medium segment i guess you could call it a medium blog that focuses on a lot of different things but mostly wellness and professionalism and adulting and then my last like podcasting adventure would be my podcast called attempted adults which is all about tips and tricks for how to live your life the most whole that you can as a young professional or a young person in school, whatever the case. So a couple different things that I'm like playing around with right now, still trying to find the exact like stick it to it. That's what I'm doing thing. And maybe that never happens because I get bored really easily all of the time. But do you have any other specific questions that you, I could answer about me?
2: <laughs> well, you mentioned your podcast, I'm really curious how you chose that focus for your podcast. I think that's something Anna and I have talked about this a little bit on our podcast, sort of the this like murky period of young adulthood where you don't exactly know what you're doing and nobody really tells you. So I think that's a really interesting topic, so I'm wondering how you decided to
0: focus on that. That is an A1 question. So, I decided to focus on that with my co-host. Her name is Anna Gautier, and she is a leadership professional here at Smith. And, essentially, we're both around the same age in our, like, late 20s. And a lot of our friends and the students that we work with look up to us as, like, real adults. Like, we have real jobs. Like, we, Anna owns her own home, <laughs> like, which is crazy in my mind. Like, she's a real adult. And... Um, just doing like really adulty type things, and people think we have it all together. And essentially, like me and Anna had met one day over lunch, and it was like, just having this conversation about how we don't have it all together, and we <laughs> are you really just trying to figure it out every day, um, about how to be the best adult that I can be at whatever space and time that I'm in currently. And so that's how that came about. And of course, the natural. Like shift with that is that we we work at a college where we're around all the levels of the youngest adults that we can find from the first years to our ADA program which um, has people that are up to like 60 years old but are still like young professionals and so I think it was just a natural thing to want to talk about like how do you just like do interesting cool things in your life and be be who you are, but also, like, how do you change attire? Like, I don't know how, and that's a big... (laughs) That's something to think about. Yeah, I think that that's something that... I don't know, I've thought about
2: a lot as someone who's entering adulthood the past several years, because you do kind of get this picture of people you look up to as adults being adults, like, having it all together, like you said. But that's so true. A lot of times it's kind of an illusion. (laughs) And none of us really do. And I'm realizing that more and more as I get older. So.
1: Yeah, I think it's really interesting, too, that um, you have sort of this multifaceted perspective in the sense that you yourself are a young adult, but You also are interacting with students who don't have their own jobs yet. And you're interacting with people who are older than you. And it's interesting for us because, again, one of the reasons why we decided to start this podcast was that Maria, who had just recently graduated from college and me, who was starting college when we started this podcast, thought that that was kind of a unique perspective that we had. And we are always like learning from each other all the time. And so, I think it's really fascinating that you're like focusing on that and bridging the gap between different young adults and things like that because that's something that we are really interested in as well.
0: Yeah, I think that's really, really cool. The other part of why I started this particular podcast with Anna was it was actually a wellness thing for me. Um, I don't actually love hearing myself talk, (laughs) but (laughs) having a space to be able to just talk out things that... We were having individual conversations with people that we really enjoyed and then making a a framework where we could reach a lot more people was something that felt like really fulfilling for me, which I think is a platform for wellness, which is what fulfills you and what brings you that sense of like, I am doing something good in the world. (laughs) And I think that for me really came out with this podcast. And actually we record not that often right now because we're both pretty full in our schedules, but Every time I have to like plan a podcast episode and come and record it with Anna, it brings me so much joy and happiness. And so that that's a really awesome thing. And I think the other thing that I like to think about is that adulthood looks different for everyone and there isn't a definition for it. So a lot of times when I'm speaking to our younger students, our first years, they're trying to like fit into some model of what they think an adult is and what it looks like and it's going to be different for everyone around the world and globally adulthood starts at different times and different ages so I I like to think about that perspective as well. I really like that you brought up that adulthood looks
2: different (sighs) for different people. That's something that we've talked a lot about too is like how how different things can look so different for different people, and it's important not to try to fit ourselves into a box of like what adulthood looks like, or what wellness looks like, or what being a creative person looks like. And then I also am really interested how you mentioned that the podcast was a platform for wellness for you, because I think that's so true that what we spend our time doing and sort of having that sense of fulfillment and joy in our lives is really important to our health and well-being, and sometimes it gets overlooked in favor of things that sound more health and wellnessy. Mm-hmm. But I think that that's such an important part of it.
0: Can I ask you guys a question? Um, I guess I've been wondering this is a podcast about like wellness and creativity and I'm sure your listeners are very familiar with your platform, but I've only gotten to listen to a couple episodes. Can you talk to me a little bit about what is wellness for you and what is that intersection between wellness and creativity? I'm super fascinated by that.
1: Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a good question and something that we're obviously focusing on and trying to hone down all the time. I think, um, I think we have more insights into kind of the intersection of wellness and creativity. When you, when you say like what wellness is, that makes me, that really makes me think hard because again, like we operate with these definitions, but sometimes it's so hard to just like nail down what exactly we mean by that. And I think from the, the way that we kind of view the intersection of creativity and wellness helps us kind of define wellness in and of itself. So for us, we just see creativity and wellness intersecting on so many levels. And for us, that might look like being creative with your wellness practices or achieving wellness through creativity and artwork and things like that. Um, And also the idea that because wellness can filter into creativity, then there is this sense of kind of holistic wellness or um, not really putting wellness into a box or putting certain people into boxes. You know, the idea that when you're creative with your wellness, then that can take on all kinds of different forms. And so looking at wellness is not just one aspect of your life, but like you were saying, that idea of achieving fulfillment in something is just as important as, you know, your physical and mental health and things like that.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of it for us is about being creative with how we approach our health and well-being and not just trying to follow somebody else's rules that somebody said, this is what you should eat. This is what you should do to be healthy and really trying to listen to ourselves and sort of approach it with a creative viewpoint. So I'm really curious what wellness means to you, Chris, also, and also what wholeness means to you, because I know you describe yourself as a a wholeness lifestyle consultant, is that right? That's right. So, yeah, I'm really curious to
0: hear your thoughts on both of those words. Cool. Well, thanks for asking that. Um, I never know exactly where to begin when I, when I think about this. I, I started, I'm a, I'm, my background is in public health. I should start there. I have a master's in public health, and I really believe in the importance of access and equity like and social justice that is the core of who I am and I think when I when I got out of grad school I was looking for a job any job (laughs) and specifically a job that was helping people figure out who they were in some sense I guess um and this job came up as this wellness director. I had no idea what that meant. I don't even think I thought it was something I would do for more than a year or two um, as I was figuring out like where I was going next and what I wanted to do in my career. And I came into a space that was very defined by commercial wellness, I think. Um, which seems really antithetical to a women's college, Um, especially one that is like 65% queer and just, you know, has like 3% trans and non-binary folks here. It's just a very different space in general. So you would never really think of a place that is so different and so niche in a way actually having a commercialized wellness standpoint. So that... That for me felt very um I'm doing this thing with my hands. I'm like I'm not sure. <laughs> Um, it feels very like uh I don't know, whatever the word is. But um I think moving from from there and and thinking about okay, nutrition looks like this. You have to eat in this way. Um movement looks like this. I actually changed a lot of my language in order to start thinking about okay I don't agree like I don't agree that movement looks in one kind of way or exercise looks in one kind of way or that the Instagram models (laughs) have it right about what you should be eating or drinking and that a particular kind of protein shake is going to make us all like have a certain kind of body type that's not real it doesn't exist um and so for me, just like working with what was here and then starting to think, OK, well, what about my international students? What are what are they think about wellness? How how come they're not utilizing our services? I, I wasn't seeing anyone coming into my office that number one looked like me. I'm POC and um, mostly the students that were coming were just white femmes. And I was like, something's wrong. Something's wrong if wellness isn't reaching our non binary folks, our gender nonconforming folks, our brown folks, you know, and our global folks. Like if, if that's if they're being left out of the equation, our fat folks, um, then we're doing something wrong and and I wanted to change that. So anyway, I started thinking about well what is it about the word that doesn't resonate? So I did some research. I asked over four hundred women on this campus, what does wellness mean to you? And we, I have this really cool like um, word cloud in giant form like near my office, and essentially people were saying, well, number one, it's very white, it's, it looks like yoga. So I had them tell me like different words that came out. What are the first like connotations that you have? And it was always the same. It was white. It was women. It was yoga. It was um, drinking water. I don't, <laughs> I don't know, like drinking water and exercise specifically running. And when I kept doing this over and over, these different focus groups, it always came up in, like, very similar orders. And I was like, well, what does that mean? Like, yoga, number one, wasn't white to begin with. Like, it comes from an entirely different culture and history, right? And But that often feels like it gets lost in the messaging of, okay, wellness means something different to every single person. And the history behind it is big and it's grand and it's global. And so... I was like, okay, what can we brainstorm? What would it be like to change the wellness industry? What would it mean to actually feel the things that we think wellness is asking us to do, right? And not putting a constraint. Because I think often right now, like wellness feels like another chore. Like I need to take time away from the things that I'm doing in order to then take care of myself. And you have to do that in the way that feels right for you in the time that like you have between classes like it's it's another like thing to do versus something that's supposed to bring you that joy and fulfillment it shouldn't feel like a chore I should it doesn't it shouldn't be easy all the time I definitely don't agree with that it shouldn't be easy all the time it's going to be difficult but it shouldn't feel like one more thing that we as people should have to do I don't know I feel like I'm rambling but um it's
2: good, Ramble. <laughs> uh,
0: I think we got to the space wholeness because what we really were looking for was how do I feel full in myself? And um, so I went to Peru last summer to continue. I'm writing a book. So I I went to Peru to study wholeness um, with indigenous folks in the Amazon of Peru. And they are about five to six hours from big cities and from doctors and (laughs) all of these different things that we take for granted. And so they rely a lot on what I believe are the pillars of wholeness, which are community. And I I won't go through all of them, but community is a big one that I feel gets left out of the wellness space, community and ancestry and globality. And those things actually help you think about, okay, what are the things that are not just about me? that helps me to feel fulfilled and when i moved here i'm from new york city originally um, and i'm caribbean by nature or by nature that sounds weird um (laughs) i'm caribbean and i come from a very tight-knit community and you when 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 people think about the bronx especially if you're not from like the east coast like you think about like dangerous area maybe like um, just like city space. And when I think of it, I think of it as very intense community. Like every, you can never like behave badly from where I come from because someone will see you and someone will tell your mom. Like it's that small and it's that close. So when I came here to Western Mass and like people don't like wave at you in the street, which is not really a New York thing, but um, I started to feel like I was missing a part of myself like I was really lonely and um, it was hard to find folks that I was connecting with and so I was like I'm not feeling whole like I literally can't feel well because there's parts of me that feel empty and that's where the wholeness came about that was a really long answer but um, so I started like telling people about this this new word and they were like yes yes that's it like wholeness like I want to feel whole like I want to feel full like and the other part of it, like if y'all read one of my Medium posts, it's about wellness always feels like you're trying to get somewhere, like like you can never be well today, like you have to do something else to get to the well space for tomorrow, right, and when you're whole, like you can be whole every day, there, there isn't a journey to it necessarily, it doesn't feel like something you always have to work to get to, it's just today I am whole or maybe I'm not whole today. But that doesn't mean I have to do something to get there. It just means maybe I need to recalibrate a little bit and think about why I'm not. I'm gonna give you a break to ask me something or to (laughs) respond because I've been talking a long time.
2: No, I think that was a great answer. I don't think that was rambly at all. And I'm really glad that you talked about that aspect of language as it relates to wellness and wholeness. Because that's another thing that Anna and I have talked about quite a bit on the podcast is the importance of the language that we use and sort of different connotations that we each have with different words. And I think it is really important if you are like doing something like what you're doing, where you're working with people, you're helping people to make sure that the language that you're using resonates with them. So I just think that's really, that's really interesting to hear you talk about people's associations with wellness and how narrow that definition can be.
1: Yeah. I also, I don't know. I'm just, I love how you're talking about, I'm wondering if you can kind of explain the term intersectional wellness a little more too. And I think you were getting with that, at that with the idea of, um, you know, Making sure that wellness and wholeness is open to not just white femmes on your campus, but uh, POCs and trans and non-binary people and and things like that. I just think that's so important. And I think when people consider the idea of wellness, you know, we don't think that that is some sort of uh, we think it's like a neutral thing, you know, and so. Which is usually not the case with almost everything. (laughs) And so I think it's so important that you're examining and kind of deconstructing those assumptions about that, because that is just so important in this day and age when we all are trying to be well and we're trying to be whole. And it's easier for some people than it is for others. And I don't think we recognize that all the time
0: yeah so i um intersectional wellness before i go into that i i did not mention people of different disabilities or different ability Mm -hmm. in general and like ableism always takes like this backseat lens i think especially in wellness um for folks that have invisible disabilities and visible disabilities as well and so that was another like push towards changing the language because well-being already assumes that you are in a body that can be well (laughs) um with i'm using quotation marks so you can't see that but like um so i think whole even though i still there's still like something about like what if you're missing a limb right can you still be whole there's always going to be some issue with language right there isn't going to be a perfect word and that's something that i struggle with but I think we're getting somewhere with it. So intersectional wholeness. Hold on. So intersectional wholeness is just about identifying the different identities that you hold, right, within yourself. And that may change in different points in time. So that can be ability, that can be ethnicity, um, race, um, all the things right um the gender that you have your gender identity your sexual orientation all of these different things that make up who you are right they're intersectional qualities that make up the person that you are today and that may change right but when you're thinking about those things you do not have to necessarily break them apart in order to find wellness in a particular space the intersectional part of it is that these things intertwine and tangle up in different ways and like having to feed that those parts of yourself in different ways is super important so like I don't know I don't I think that's the best way that I can put it is that there's these different parts of you that are gonna require maybe some different things and so to be whole you'll need to think about all of those things and how do you address them maybe some things are in the forefront on one day and then other things are on the back burner another day you know it's it'll change and just having that fluidity to find harmony within yourself like I also like hate the word balance (laughs) I think it's (laughs) absolutely impossible to find balance in your life but if you can find some harmony between the identities that you hold and harmony with the kind of work that you're doing and the things that you're engaging with and the people that you're engaging with and the way you engage with yourself then you can have this intersectional wholeness yeah yeah oh yeah definitely
2: so what is kind of your approach i'm wondering when you're working with people to kind of try to i don't know what word i'm looking for exactly but try to find this wholeness like if people are coming to you and you're working with them and trying to help them figure that out
0: That feels like a hard question. Um, I always let people guide their own conversation. I think you get to be the driver of your life, right? And I feel like that's also sometimes a little ableist, right? Because other people need some help in order to drive their lives. But in whatever capacity that you can drive your life, you get to tell me like, okay, Chris, today I'm really, really stressed, but okay, let's not just talk about stress because that's it's easy. It's easy to talk about stress. Everyone has it, but let's talk about why you're feeling these stresses. Is it because of the the climate, the political and social climate based on an identity that you hold and the space that you're living? Um, is that part of the stress? It's part of the stress that, I just have a lot of homework, <laughs> right? Um. Because I hold the identity as a student right now. Um, or is it that I've struggled with eating because of the messages that I receive from the world? And so that is causing me a lot of stress, which is affecting my body. Right. There's just there's so many different levels that if you just talk about stress, which when I've been to certain wellness, people are like, oh, you're feeling stressed. Like, why don't you just go and, you know, take a long bath? Or, like, why don't you just go for a nice walk or whatever, you know? And it's like, okay, that might help in the immediate. That's also assuming that I can afford a tub because rental places don't like putting tubs. But anyway, like, just taking a step back to being like the world is so much bigger and the stresses that I have in my life are probably bigger than a bubble bath. And so a band-aid is not it's not a conversation that we need to necessarily have. Right. Because everyone can read the blogs. Everyone <laughs> will know like, oh, if I like bubble baths, I can take one if I want. But to actually delve a little bit deeper to find out what are actually the things that are causing you stress and what are some of the things that we can do to mitigate some of those issues in your day to day and. You know, it could be that, like, the police in my community are targeting black and brown folks, right? And, okay, we can't fix that necessarily, right? And I think that's important to realize is you can't fix certain things, but you can do things to make sure that you are safer in your space and that maybe if that's what you want, that you can start to think about how can I start to outreach to the community around me, to, to mobilize or to think differently or to find someone who can help provide training to to police. And I think that's where I find my space as more of a liaison to social change that affects the body. Um, and then also thinking about like the physical and mental health aspects of those things. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. That's so fascinating too. I just,
1: I love how you're framing this in a way that's so outside. I, I feel like self care and wellness, I, we've talked about this a little, but have become just sort of like buzzwords. And again, you're right. Like people write about them all the time. You know, you can, you can follow the wellness blogs and the wellness YouTubers and, you know, make your, your smoothies and do your yoga practices and things like that, which are all great. Um, but at the end of the day, if, your actual life situation is not um, is something that you have to reconcile with, or that is inhibiting your sense of wholeness. Then you have to deal with that. And I think recognizing that systemic injustices and oppression can inherently hinder your sense of wholeness and wellness is so important, and a really helpful way of framing those. Um those injustices because it's not just about injustice it's also just about living our lives and making sure we're healthy and whole beings which is what we all want
2: I think to your point about how these things can affect the body too and talking about how Mm -hmm. you're working for social change but through its effects on our body kind of is a really interesting and important point because It goes back to some of the things you said earlier, too, I think, about considering how fulfilled we are and how much connection we feel to our community and these sort of aspects that affect how we feel that we don't necessarily go to when we talk to a wellness person, or like you said, read the wellness blogs, who are just kind of offering us momentary, stress relievers that are going to help us feel better for a few minutes but they're not really addressing the root cause of what is stressing you out or causing you physical distress or pain.
0: And I don't want to discredit the the important work that like regular self-care people do because there are parts of that that people just still don't get. It really it not intuitive to take care of yourself, especially as women. And I use that in the bio term. Right. But but women that are taught to, like, take care of others before you take care of yourself. So there is still that very, very important work that like a big part of my job <laughs> when students come to me is being like, I really want to teach you how to make a self-care regimen. Like, how do you do something on a regular basis that can change? but on a regular basis that is about you and only you like and they're like that sounds really selfish and i'm like yes it does and that's amazing like <laughs> you get to you get to be a little selfish with your body because you get to have ownership of it and so much of the world has taught us that everyone else gets ownership of our bodies before we do right the environment does the people around you do like all of these other people have so much more ownership over the your thing that you live in like your own temple and so I think there is still that very very important message of okay let's take a look at your day and see where you can fit in at minimum to start like 15 minutes a day that is solely for you and that could be 15 minutes of staring at a wall like, if that is what it is for you, just to have some quiet, like, I'm cool with that. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, it's still it's still very important work, and I want people to remember that it's just more than that. That just can't be the, the be-all, end-all.
2: Yeah, well, I, I 100% agree with you, and I this goes back to an idea that Anna and I keep coming back to, About how self care is so important, but it also looks different for everybody. Like, I feel like coming back to the bubble bath idea, that's like everybody's suggestion for self care is like take a bubble bath or like get your nails done. But those, like, maybe that is your self care, but that doesn't have to be everybody's self care. Like, our last guest we talked to talked about her self care as snuggling with her cat, which is perfectly valid and makes her feel a lot better. So I think that's a really important aspect of self-care too. And that's sort of I think how creativity fits into it is being creative with our approach to our definition of self-care and
0: what we do. So I really like that we're circling back to this idea. So um, self-care. I'm gonna ask you in a minute, both of you, like what you do for self-care? And maybe I'll tell you a little bit about mine if you're interested. Um, But something that I've been thinking a lot about when when trying to develop a self-care regimen for yourself, you need to first understand you, like what makes you tick? What brings you like that feeling of like, yes, I can take on the day for a little bit longer or just like I can move on from whatever space I'm in or like I can sit in a space that I'm in and be okay. Right. Those are three different things. So, like, what do you need in those different times? So when I'm in a space where I'm just like, okay, I need to sit in the space that I'm in, then what's good for me is Netflix. Like, Netflix is the homeboy. Like, we sit there. We're friends. We have communication between the television and myself. (laughs) And it's good. It's good for me. It gets me through. Right. When I need to be able to move from that space into I need to move on from that space, then I need time to write. Like, that's the writing for me is a space where I can process my thoughts that are in my head onto paper and actually be able to move them around, like to see where they're going, right, in a way that talking about them doesn't really help me do. Um, Like talking to a therapist is good sometimes for me, but I'm pretty good at being my own therapist. Like if I can see on paper like what my issues are, (laughs) then I can be like, hmm, Chris, avoiding situations. (laughs) And I'm pretty self-reflective in that way. I guess because I work with counselors all day long, like I have all their lingo, like I understand like how it works so I can like go ahead and be like, all right, I see. So there's that. And then what was the last one that I said? Um, And just like being happy to be happy, like something that brings you that like, yes, yes, that feeling. For me, that could be a variety of different things at different points in time. But uh, I really love right now, I really love being in the gym like leg day for me makes me feel like the most powerful femme on earth like lifting um, and, or like breaking things like going somewhere and like breaking like pans and things like that or like I don't know like just doing things that are like pretty physical but not maybe necessarily like would be considered exercise but just like engaging in like different forms of movement really brings me like joy and then the second part, or the reverse part of that, is knowing what sucks energy from you. And this this is key, like, and I don't think I learned this until I became a wellness professional, where <laughs> I was having to, like, sit down and think about, okay, what are these sessions going to look like with people? And what sucks from you is actually maybe even more important than what brings joy to you. And I had to realize, okay, like... Actually, although I'm very good at talking with people, talking to people sucks energy from me. And what does that mean for me, like, throughout my day? That means I can't do more than, like, three wellness sessions in a day, like, one-on-ones. Groups is a little bit different, but to, like, put in the amount of energy to, like, talk to someone and listen carefully and actively to someone takes so much for me that... I had to learn to like schedule that out because when I first started working as like a really new professional I was doing I was like loving it (laughs) and then also being like ah like I can't like I'm getting home and like crashing on the couch and like can't do anything why is that And so that's just like a little bit of an example of something to think a little bit more deeply of. And it's not just, oh, like talking to people makes me like tired. It's okay. Why does talking to people make me tired? What is it about it that actually does? So you can plan around that throughout your day. I think it's
2: really interesting how you pointed out sort of those different categories of self-care. I have thought about that a little bit, but not quite that Like explicitly, I guess, but I do, I totally agree with you. Like sometimes all you need for self care is Netflix or like something that just doesn't require your brain at all. (laughs) Um, But then sometimes it does look more like journaling or movement or doing something that brings you joy. And I also, I'm really glad that you brought up the piece about noticing what sucks your energy too, because I think that's a big piece of the self-care and wellness picture also, because, and like you said, planning around it. Like Maybe you can't take away those things that drain your energy, but planning your day around, I'm going to feel a little drained after this, so maybe I'm not going to schedule this other thing that's going to be draining right after, and giving yourself the time and space to recover and rejuvenate a little bit, and knowing what does that for you.
1: Yeah, what you are saying is really, uh, it's encouraging me to kind of examine my own self-care routine too. And I think this is something that I have struggled with, especially as a student, you know, because not only is it figuring out what self-care works for you, but it's also finding the time to do the self-care in such a busy schedule. And this past year, I was kind of like better about it at some times than when things got busy, I would let it slide by and that was when I needed it most you know and so being able to identify what self-care works for certain situations I think is going to be a helpful way for me to address the social and emotional and physical drains on myself um, and be able to kind of rejuvenate myself in a more efficient and effective way by realizing and recognizing what self-care methods actually work in those various situations. I I think that's really helpful.
0: So another thing thing that I think a lot about and I tell my students or my clients is that something that I feel like was never taught to me I'm a very A-type human being like I love lists and spreadsheets like that's my fucking jam and (laughs) What wasn't taught to me was your body is actually the thing that's supposed to like last the longest in your life, right in theory right your career and your schoolwork they're all they all have time frames on them no one works to the day they die maybe they do they shouldn't but <laughs> Right. So I'm trying to remember the exact slogan that I use in my office. I don't know why I'm blanking on it, but I think it's your body should transcend your career. So why don't you invest in it? And so when students come to me and be like, I'm really time poor. Right. If I'm time poor, I can't self-care. And I think what you're saying there is, yes, you do need to identify what self-care looks like in different situations and also forgive yourself when you can't. You just really can't find the time because being time poor is is really important to recognize and then realizing like okay well if i can't take the whole 10 minutes what is it that i can do like what can i find can i find 30 seconds right and that's where i've started to help them reframe like what a period of time looks like because i love the app smiling mind um where you can set like different times for like a really quick meditation. And if you're not comfortable doing a meditation on your own, like there's a person that's talking to you and like doing it with you and you can set it for different time periods, like 30 seconds, uh, one minute, five minutes, 10 minutes. And then you can also grow a practice. Like you can take up different amounts of time based on what you need at a different point in time. So that's something definitely I think is important for students is to think about, how self-care can change over time and what that means in different spaces because sometimes you might need to self-care in the classroom. That's going to look different than if you need to self-care in your bedroom, right? You can't bring a dildo into classroom spaces. That's inappropriate. (laughs) So, like, just thinking about location and space and energy and all of these different things and also in the professional world, it's the same thing. Like, I'm pretty lucky in the sense that my job, I, can, I, I am the director of my department. I can kind of control my own time and my own schedule. That's a luxury that a lot of people do not have. So if you're in a more structured job, how do you self-care at work? And I always tell people, like, you always have a few minutes of time in your day where you might stop and you check your phone, or something like that. But what if you intentionally took the long walk to the bathroom? Just get a little bit of movement in your day. What if you like close your your door if you have a door, or even if you don't have a door, who cares? Like, put your leg up, get a little stretch on the table in between. Make sure you're taking the same as students. Like, you should only be studying for 30 minutes at a time, reading for 30 minutes at a time, and taking a break because your mind needs that in order to. It's a muscle; it needs to get that flex time. So what can you put into these little pockets of time that aren't going to jeopardize your job or jeopardize your studying, but actually enhance them? Because you're getting a little bit of that self-care, a little bit of that love of yourself into your day.
2: I think, again, this speaks to creativity in self-care and how we can be creative and how we approach it. Like like you said, sort of starting with just a few seconds or just a couple minutes when you can find the time. or finding ways to approach self-care that work in the situation that you're in. Like you said, finding things that are appropriate, that are doable, even in very specific structured environments. So I think that that's a really important piece to consider also.
1: Uh, I don't think there's anything I want to add. Um, but I did want to ask something. Um, so you're talking about Chris how you've you're working on a book right now. Could you tell us a little bit about what you're writing and how kind of your writing practice fits into your your concept of wholeness and wellness and like why that's been important for you?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I can do that. <laughs> um so what I'm currently writing about um I'm writing about the wellness industry and its effect on myself and the students around me using a lot of uh, just kind of vignettes, I guess, to talk about what I've heard from students about the wellness industry and commercialized wellness and then introducing this concept of wholeness. So it'll be kind of like a reframe of my blogs that I've been writing and to something that's more... Um, relatable, I think, because the blogs have kind of taken a couple different forms. Some of them are just like fun rants and then others of them are a little bit more like academically written and I kind of toggle between both. And so finding a medium for this this book is what I'm hoping. Um, it's still in very early stages. I thought I'd be much farther along, but this year has proven to be incredibly stressful <laughs> at work. But summertime is... Um, summertime is where I'm hoping to like really get into the further writing of it um but to answer your second question about how does it fit into my my whole my own wholeness framework I guess or like self-care for myself and I think writing and processing always does that for me um it also helps me like stay in a schedule which I'm usually pretty good at um but When I'm writing or like have set times for writing, it puts me like, I wake up earlier. I like usually get to the gym earlier just because I need to do things in order to also do work. And I don't write well at night, like at all. Like after about three, 4 PM, there's no writing to be had for me. My brain shuts down entirely. So I have a very small window of time to get like a significant amount of work done. So it actually, like, pushes me into a productivity mode that's just very different than the way I operate when I'm not writing. Um, and I think there was a another question. Was there a third one? Um, I
1: think you mostly answered my question. Um, I guess going off of this, with writing, I mean, I both Maria and I consider ourselves writers as well. And for us, that's a big source of creativity in our lives. And I guess I'm wondering if you find that that is a source of creativity for you as well and that that is important to your sense of, of wholeness or
0: wellness. Okay. Yeah, for sure it does. Um, when I'm not writing, I feel it in my body. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like tense. I feel um, like I'm I'm missing <laughs> like literally I'm missing. Yeah. So um, I think different types of writing does, do, does that in different ways for me. Um, the book right now doesn't feel necessarily like an outlet necessarily. It feels kind of more like a career choice that I'm making <laughs> to invest this time in. But the blog feels that way for me. Um, And as I I just this weekend, actually, as I was thinking about coming to talk to y'all, I reread like a ton of my blogs because you change over time. And reading like my first blogs to like my most recent ones, they're all so different. And you can see like not only like who Chris was at that time, but where Chris was going and who she was becoming. And also like just her like her finding her voice is really interesting and I think when you're doing that and your voice is always kind of growing and changing and developing you do find something that works for a point in time and then and then something happens and you grow and you change a little bit more and I also was like being really critical of like my earlier work I I caught myself doing that like this could have been worded this way or Um, and I was like that's not the point it wasn't about that like it was about you at that time and it was about like having a release that wasn't a person and that didn't have opinions to write back although you do get some comments but luckily most people are lazy readers they don't comment (laughs) (laughs) but it was about putting something on paper that hopefully my goal is always to help someone with the work So that was a long answer for yes. It is definitely (laughs) a creative process for me. It's definitely a form of my wholeness. And when I'm not doing it, I feel the loss of it.
1: Yeah, for
0: sure. Yeah.
2: Well, thank you for sharing that. And we have a couple just last questions to wrap up before we go. Anna, do you want to
1: lead the way? So one thing that we always ask our guests is if they have any recommendations for us and for our listeners. Um, And that can be in any sort of category, anything at all. So I was wondering, Chris, if you have anything to recommend.
0: All right. Recommendations. Let's see. Well, my first recommendation is a book. And actually, my first two recommendations are books, (laughs) Uh, one is by my mentor, Emily Nagowski. She is a New York Times twice bestseller, and her new book is called Burnout. And it's all about how stress affects the body and also, like, how people, women in particular, should deal with stress. And it is a beautiful book um, that I'm still, like, reading through, but and I'm in the middle of it, loving it entirely, Um, the second book recommendation that I have for you is by Sonia Renee Taylor, and it's The Body is Not an Apology. And it's all about body positivity and also the journey of getting to a positive place in your body. And I think that's super important in this day and age. And it's a very intersectional book and um, talks a lot about ability as well. Michelle Obama's book, becoming which in itself i think is a self-care book because it it talks a lot about um who you are becoming which is all self-care and also like stresses that are put on you and things that stress that you put on yourself and how to deal with it in in your life like and what does it mean to be a professional what does it mean to be an adult Uh, When you're toggling through all of these, like, pressures, I guess. So, those are my three book recommendations. I always recommend that people watch Netflix because it's amazing. Get outside. (laughs) Get outside as much as you can, you know, unless you have, like, really strong allergies. and get some Benadryl and then go outside. (laughs) Um... I don't know, I wish I had some more time to think about it because I'm sure I have, like, a ton of really cool recommendations, but just take care of yourselves. Like, know who you are and what you need. Ooh, I have one. Okay, this is big. (laughs) Okay, this is big. Say no. Like, learn to say no. I teach an entire class here at Smith on learning the power of no and, like, how to stand. If you ever watch Grey's Anatomy there's i think it was grace where you stand in like superhero pose and like that's what they would do before they went in for surgery because it like brings them this power right and i like help people or i like teach people to like stand in like superhero mode and like yell no which sounds ridiculous and it is but like we're not taught that no is okay and no is actually better than okay. No is owning who you are and owning the space that you're in and what you can and cannot do. So, like saying no to friends, saying no, learning how to say no to your boss, that's huge. I've done it. I've learned how to do it. It's great. Um, saying no to situations that make you uncomfortable. Saying no to whatever. Um, that's that's my biggest tip. Is if you can learn how to say no. And learn how to advocate for yourself, then self care is a natural, like, secondary situation because you're already like putting yourself out there in the world in a way that makes sense for you. And then you can naturally kind of transition that to like your home space or your quiet space. Those are my recommendations. Hope it works for you. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you.
2: I just wanna say something about your no. Recommendation. First, I think that's a great recommendation, and sometimes we forget that. But when you were talking about teaching people to say no and like putting your hands on your hips and yelling no, that's like literally what my early childhood was. (laughs) But as an adult, I don't think I say no nearly enough. And it's so interesting thinking back to when I was like two years old, no was my first word. My favorite phrase was no, no, not. I would like scream no in public places and i don't do that at all now and i've like gotten so far away from that so i think that's so powerful to remember so another question that we like to ask our guests is our philosophy at never wear boring socks sort of the reason that it's called never wear boring socks is we believe in taking small creative actions such as wearing exciting socks but it doesn't have to be wearing exciting socks to inject some joy into your daily life is that a philosophy that resonates with you most assuredly excellent did you want me to expand (laughs) you don't have to if you don't want to do you have any places where people can find
0: you on the internet if they want to follow along with what you're doing Mm -hmm. yes the most current and up-to-date place right now is my medium um that's just christina Marai. On Medium, My website is down right now, but it should be back up by the end of the month. And it's ChristinaMirai.com. And uh, where else can you find me? You can find Attempted Adults just if you Google us. I recommend it even if you're not a student in school. I mean, I'm biased, obviously. But I think it's really fun to listen to. And we always have, like, really cool tips. So those are some of the places you can find me right now. And, yeah. And I would recommend your podcast also. I listen
2: to you the uh, yeah, I listen to the making friends as an adult episode, which is like such a topic that's familiar to so many people. I think, and it's really important to talk about. So I'm excited to listen to some more. So thank you so much for joining us today, Chris. This was really fun. Yeah, thank you.
0: Thank you for having me. I, I've had so much fun with you all I hope to like have you again or maybe I will come pot, be on my podcast sometime soon so yeah, okay awesome. I'm sure you close this way all the time but what is your plan for like self care this week like is there something that you're looking forward to or something that you're excited for either this week or this month whatever it doesn't matter but that's that's my last question for you Mm. well i just got done
1: with my semester i got home last week and i am starting an internship and a job next week and so i think this week i'm gonna i'm gonna take some time to to watch netflix that is my self-care plan for this week i'm very excited for it gotta catch up on on gilmore girls you know very nice
2: and I think my self-care plan for the week is to get outside, because that's something that always makes me feel better. And I did I did some gardening yesterday, which is the first time I've done that this year. And it always makes me feel better than before I garden, if I like spend some time outside in the dirt. So that's my plan. Thanks for asking. That's a good question to wrap up with.
0: Thank y'all. Thank you.
2: Thank you so much for listening this week and a big thank you to chris for joining us for this episode we're really glad that we got to have her on and have this conversation and thank you also to ben ramsey for his help with our music our theme song and for doing his beautiful audio editing magic to make us sound fabulous and thank you to martha barnard for her beautiful
1: mandolin music if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Never Wear Boring Socks, and you can send us an email. Um, our email address is NeverWearBoringSocks at gmail.com. And you can also find us on our fancy new website, which is NeverWearBoringSocks.com. Show notes for this episode will be there as well. And please subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a rating or review because it really helps people find our podcast and get other people in on the conversation. And until next week, never
2: wear boring socks.